a house full of music. I was a small boy, two, three years old, first memories uh, living in the French Quarter with my mother and uh, her sister, my Aunt Pam. And all the popular music of the time, Led Zeppelin, The Beatles, Jimi Hendrix, uh, Janis Joplin, you can keep rolling, rolling, rolling. I was privy to all that good stuff. And, and I guess later on, when I started having individual thoughts, uh, I got a guitar when I was nine years old and um, wrote my first song. I really wasn't interested in learning other people's music or anything like that. Uh, and, I, and I think in my heart I was really drawn to heavy metal in general. Uh, the heavier for me, the better. But then uh, around seventh grade, I went to school with some friends who loved punk rock. And at the time, punk rock to me was a, a bit of a mystery. I wasn't sure of it at all. And, uh, but the, the attitude wore off. The attitude of it all wore off. It wore off on me as a, a performer and as a, someone who uh, is on stage and projects a certain image. And uh, for me, <clears throat> I guess a really huge turning point was, I guess I was about 15 years old, Motorhead came to town, and that is New Orleans, Louisiana. And they were on tour with a band called Hollow's Eve and a band called Agnostic Front. When I saw Agnostic Front, a bunch of dudes get up on that damn stage, no image, no dressed up, uh, polished look to them or anything like that, and deliver these unforgiving, quick, hard-hitting songs, it changed my perspective forever, forever, ever, ever, and I'll never fucking forget it. And uh, from that point on, you know, eventually, by the time I was 17, I quit high school. I was doing gig after gig after gig with a local band from New Orleans, five sets a night, five nights a week, six nights a week sometimes. And, um, Eventually, uh, I like to say uh, <laughs> I took over the tape deck basically uh, on, on long drives to gigs. So I was the the cat in Pantera that had the mixtapes with Merciful Fate and uh, uh, Black Flag and Saint Vitus and Slayer and all these bands. And uh, when it comes to Slayer, that's when it gets super important because uh, about 1988, we were doing a gig on a Friday night and Slayer had arrived in town and they were doing a gig right down the road from us on Saturday night. So the night before, you know, their gig, they decided to come out to the Pantera gig and 
we knew rain and blood the way we knew it and whatnot. So when we invited uh, Jeff and Carrie uh, and Tom, but Tom was uh, a little disqualified at the time, so he didn't quite make it up there. And uh, kind way to put it. And uh, anyway, Carrie and I hit it off very quickly. We became friends, swapped phone numbers. And he would call me intermittently when Slayer was off tour during this couple of years just before we got signed. And this one particular time he called me up, he goes, hey, you know, Kerry King's very short, uh, spoken, straight to the point uh, type guy. Hey, I'm like, yeah, man, what's up? Think about coming down. Really? Uh, come on down, buddy. Bye, but no. I don't want to fuck around this time. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He goes, I want to jam. I'm like, really? Well, let, let me check with the rest of the guys. I'm sure it'd be cool. Next thing you know, Kerry King's down, and we are learning chemical warfare, rain and blood, south of heaven. Uh, this myriad of Judas fucking priest songs, him and Dimebag. And I think right then and there, that's where Dimebag really learned to respect the thrash riff and the power of it and, and the actual real way to play Rain and Blood. So that type of technicality uh, hit him hard and I think uh, without that particular moment in life, I, Pantera could have ended up a very different, uh, on a very different path. I am a lover of extreme music. I still seek it out to this day, and I'm 45 years old, and I'm extremely interested to know what the teens and 20-year-olds and the 30-year-olds are listening to today that is considered extreme. And I sift through that, and, and I take what I want, and, 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 and leave the rest. But there are some incredible bands out there, and I champion them all. First concert I went to, out of memory, my, it was probably a local gig in New Orleans. But the first big concert I went to, I was in sixth grade, and there was a cat named Jared Schneider, who was tour managing KISS for a while and he's a good friend of the family and I was a KISS fanatic at 12 years old and I got to see KISS on that particular tour uh, and that's it's it, that's the foggy part I guess you'd have to do the, the, the math of 1970 whatever whatever record was on 1980 something but that was my first big big show what's always funny is I guess I just thought I was a lead singer, always. And I had friends that uh, had drum kits and could play, and they knew a guitar player, they knew a bass player. I was the singer. And I guess it ended up in a friend of mine's garage, one of my best friends at the time, one of the only other kids in this one little area of New Orleans, this small neighborhood called Lakeview. Uh, we spotted each other with Iron Maiden shirts on. We're like, what? You know, who are you? He ended up being the drummer, and he had a garage, and 
we set up and I think we used uh, guitar amps, stereo amps, and I, I sang through like a little stereo recording microphone and you couldn't hear me at all. And that was for the best because I was horrible. I was absolutely terrible. And uh, six months later, we did our first gig, and somewhere I still have a tape of that sucker. And we opened up with Neon Nights by Black Sabbath. And I destroyed it. I butchered it. Oh, it's, it, was, it, was, it was rough. I, I, I don't think I started maturing as a vocalist till I was 15. And then after I started to mature, everything happened really quickly. And my range grew mightily. And it was quick. It, it happened quick. And, and, and uh, by that time, I had started jamming with a bunch of older guys and whatnot. And I would come home from school every day and practice Unleashed in, uh, Judas Priest, Unleashed in the East from front to back and do it the way Rob Halford did it, you know? For people who think Rob Halford uses falsetto are sadly mistaken. That's a full out voice and that's how I learned. And I never had a falsetto right now. I mean, that's about as loud as my falsetto gets. I've always sang full out. And then, uh, you know, eventually when I found and wanted and needed to find my own identity, I purpose, uh, purposefully kind of abandoned that style because in my mind, it had already been done before and done the best it could be, right? There's, no, there's only one Rob Halford, you know, and I know there's some other guys that can sing very well and whatnot, but uh, that style, I thought, had been done to death and heavy metal needed uh, a new attitude, I guess, brought to it instead of such. And it was it was already there. There was already, you know, the first Metallica record and Slayer for sure and whatnot. And don't get me wrong, Tom could hit those high falsetto notes, but that's not what Slayer was about. It was more about aggression, especially vocally. So it was all happening around me. I just needed to get that perfect blend, man, of, of a hardcore attitude from bands like Agnostic Front, uh, Cryptic Slaughter, uh, shit, obviously Black Flag, and, 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 and so many others. I, it's unbelievable how many influences I use uh, and, and incorporate. Uh, I even use death metal in uh, uh, moments and whatnot, cuff the mic, shit like that, uh, for effect, and that's what I know. So, always evolving. First time I met Dimebag is the first day I tried out for Pantera. They flew me in on a Monday night, and Rex picked me up in his car, um, which really wasn't his car, and uh, we drove out to the studio. And I looked through the window, and there he was, him and Vince, sitting right behind this big console. And this was a whole different world for me, man, going into a studio. So uh, 
that's the first time I met Dimebag, and then we hit it off right off the bat, started jamming, nailed out some songs. I, I knew it was a, a great impression for, for all of us. It was, it was like, it felt right. And we ended up going back to Vinnie and Dime's mom's house, where they lived at the time, and doing something that I never do, which is, they, I guess it was like a, a rite of passage or something like that. We did tequila shots, for God's sakes. And uh, I really tried to hang. And by the third one, I really had to bite down hard not to let it fly right there. And then when the fourth one came around, I had to admit to him, I'm like, fellas, I am not a tequila drinker and you are killing me right now. This, this hurts. But either way, everything worked out. Philip H. Anselmo signing off.